Hi everyone, welcome back to the Caffeinated Brown Girl podcast. My name is Pallavi Janyani and I am the host of this podcast. I am so glad to see that our podcast community is growing by the day as I am getting more guests from different backgrounds doing various things. I am also seeing uh, people from various places around the world and all the feedback in my Insta DMs has been so positive and has been so empowering that it is pushing me to you know, do this more, it's motivating me to do this more and to think of my mission and purpose con- continuously with this podcast which is to share stories of people who come from diverse backgrounds who are business owners creatives pioneers and generally are from a south asian background so today's episode is no different it features Ashka Piprother who is a recent graduate and the face behind Boss Beatties which you can find on Instagram at Boss Beatties. Um, it is an Instagram page dedicated to exploring the intersections of identity, social justice and personal finance for Desi women. This episode was really enlightening not only as a recent college graduate who's thinking about managing her personal finances but also as a south asian woman and how finance is something that wasn't a part of my day-to-day conversation and now that i am faced with managing money and faced with investing it and faced with dealing with it i'm quite frankly really nervous and ashka's community on instagram which many of you may have already seen is really aimed at bringing these issues to light with money but also with an intersectionality lens so in this episode we talk about money and how it relates to our experiences as south asian women but also how it relates to gender race inequalities um and other societal issues which have been always important but right now have been brought to light more than ever so i'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode and if you have any feedback on the episode feel free to dm me at caffeinated brown girl on instagram or leave a review on apple podcasts if you like the episode let's get into it hi ashka how are you today i'm great how are you I'm good. Um thank you for being on my podcast. I'm really excited to talk about financial literacy because as someone who graduated last month, this is something I'm really struggling with because college did not teach me anything about this. Um so I'm really excited to talk to you. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me and I am in the same boat, so I totally understand that. <laughs> Yep. So before we get into, you know, the nitty-gritty details, can you just give us an introduction of who you are? Um maybe what you studied in college and what is Boss Babies? Oh yeah, for sure. Um I'm Ashka Prabhatter. I am a recent graduate of Cornell University and I studied I actually studied hotel administration in college, which a lot of people are really confused by. <laughs> um but I will be working in wealth management uh, after graduation. and boss babies was really just a passion project i started about 2 months ago um to kind of explore the uh, relationships we have with money specifically as desi women um that was something i realized in my academic work but also just my professional work that was like um that's a very specific 
relationship we have and one that we really don't talk about. So Boss Betis is a place where I try to open those conversations and have, um, it's an effort to really normalize and destigmatize that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great platform because it's not something that's talked about. Um, and, you know, I've like gone through your posts and we'll talk about a couple of things um, that you've mentioned in a bit. But just kind of looking at the, you know, at your background a little bit, like what initially got you interested in this topic of financial literacy with maybe specifically um, South Asian women? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think. I wasn't interested in it for a long time. Um, I think this is common for a lot of Desi women, but we kind of think of money as like a masculine thing. And so for a long time, my dad was in control of my finances. Um, And it wasn't until I started really working in the field that I was like, no, I think this is really common. Like I think um, even in my friends, we all kind of relied on our dads. Even my older, you know, family friends who are like married rely on their spouses. And I was like, I actually don't know any Desi woman who's like completely in charge of her finances. Um, and so that's really what got me interested, just that realization. I was like, oh, we don't talk about it. We don't like, we need to change that somehow. And I think conversation is the most powerful way to do so. Yeah. And as you said, like these conversations don't happen, not necessarily with, you know, or like at least in the past, they didn't happen. Now I see them more in, like increasing, but especially like with women or like um, girls in South Asian families when they're growing up, these conversations are kind of left out. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, why do you think that is the case? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I think that they're definitely left out. And I think it's for a number of different reasons. Um, I think it is because we still view money as like inherently masculine. And so girls are just kind of encouraged to not talk about it. Um, You know, not talk about money issues, but also just not talk about being ambitious for the sake of money. Um, And I think that's like, that's specifically like something women go through um, in many different cultures. But I also think it's like, there's a lot of shame and guilt associated with the relationships we have with money. Um, And if you're only, you know, expressing that kind of shame and guilt and you don't talk about it when money is a source of joy and like um, happiness, I think that's another issue. So I think we just have very emotional relationships with money. And then when we do talk about it, we try to be as rational and like emotionless as possible. Um, And I think that's just a reason, like we're just scared of associating emotion with money. Mm-hmm. that's a really good point and I also think it like goes along with the fact with historically how maybe women have been treated and just like stereotypes and social structures because when I look at you know even within my family or conversations with my friends and their families if a girl says oh like you know I want to do this so that I earn a lot of money it is kind mm-hmm. of seen as like she's money-minded Um, whereas if a guy does the same thing that's not necessarily the perception so I think it's also rooted in all of those social expectations and family structures that we have uh, built in Mm -hmm. that just kind of um, come into this part of life as well yeah no I definitely agree because I think like I think I posted about this really early on but it was such a realization for me that like we're just kind of expected to serve our communities and our families and like keep the peace and like 
you know, being ambitious and wanting money is not, it doesn't really fit into that narrative. Yeah. So yeah, that's like a huge thing too, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. So kind of uh, changing gears a little bit and talking about, you know, like college, because as I said, um, I studied in the business school. So that's the one place you would, you know, at the minimum expect would have the most financial education given to its students. But mm-hmm. at most, what I got was like a finance um, 301 class that I absolutely despised because it was more about for someone who wanted to work in finance rather than mm-hmm. daily finances or things that everyone has to kind of manage and deal with. Um, and if I wanted, like, you know, to learn more about financial literacy, I would have to seek out a resource through our admissions office that did this workshop and it was like you know you have to go out of your way so have you you know with your education experience something like that or just like what has your experience been yeah I completely agree even in my program like I think there was like one personal finance elective um but yeah like I I took a class called investments thinking it would be like an intro to investments but if you're learning about things like options and like like that's not really applicable to us especially not as a starting point so I completely agree I also think like it's just like you said you really have to go out of your way to find personal finance resources um like one thing my dad told me after I completed my first internship in financial services was like how do you guys not know about personal finance if you're working in financial services and I was like yeah that's a really good question it's because we study like like I don't know, all these formulas and equations and like we're doing things on our Excel spreadsheets, but we don't really know the basics of like how to invest your money when you first start earning and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, like this is mostly coming from my friends who have been studying finance, but like you're learning things on the macro level, right? You're not learning mm-hmm. how, like you're learning how corporations and big entities do this stuff, but not necessarily how an individual can and should so kind of just going along with that do you think that colleges or any academic institutions should take certain steps to change that and prepare their students better as they like you know enter adulthood (laughs) yes I think definitely especially I think you know as colleges work hard to diversify their student population they're getting more diverse students for the first time, you know, and these are people that include like first generation students, um, international students like you, who obviously, you know, will not know the American system of personal finance. Exactly. Um, Low income people who like their parents have never really accumulated wealth. So, you know, how would they know how to build wealth and preserve wealth? Mm -hmm. So I think also when secondary education is such a big player in like student loan debt and just like debt for this country and its people, um, they have an obligation to like provide these resources to us as students. um, And they're really failing at that. (laughs) Yeah, I think you made a great point by calling it an obligation because we have so many general education classes that are required to take from like the sciences to like writing. I think even a one credit class that just kind of touches on these finances could be so helpful because you know like I reach out to my friends who have you know studied finance and they're like we don't know like why are you asking us <laughs> yeah. 
who am i supposed to go to then but i think yeah it is an obligation especially cuz in the us tuition is so high so you know mm-hmm. loans are something people have to pay off uh, once they graduate and as you said like me being an international student i was so clueless and like reading books is not for everybody when it comes to like mm-hmm. learning about finances cuz personally i found that gets a little dry and boring for me but like if i'm listening to a podcast or if I, you know i'm uh, reading one of your posts the way it has been broken down like like that this that's the sense in which content is like easier to take in especially when it can be really heavy and things like that yeah for sure that was like the first thing i noticed too when i finally started reading i was like this is made for people who already have like a basis of knowledge I don't know why they're using these big words if like you know it's supposed to be for beginners it's so inaccessible that you're just kind of like what am i supposed to do like i can't google every single definition here yeah. i don't know this is not a good starting point um but like you said i'm happy that there are now like newer resources like podcasts and like um i know there are a lot of instagram accounts uh i'm biased but i think they're also good sources <laughs> that have made it really much more easy for me to see like a nice graphic and then just like a few paragraphs on like what what is this thing how do i use it mm-hmm. um but yeah i completely agree <laughs> yeah it just makes it more accessible right like it doesn't seem like this complicated thing that i just won't understand so um yeah that's definitely uh, something that's important so just kind of going off that um what are some you know some t- common topics or questions that you found yourself being curious about when it comes to financial literacy or you found other people maybe you know people interacting with your instagram or just people some of your friends or things like that yeah for sure um i think there were like two main things that people were really interested in the first is just like very tangible concrete basic financial advice like what you know what is my credit score what components go into determining that um things that you need to know and you know they wanted me to break down in a very concrete and easy to understand way um but i think the flip side of that was like people also really wanted me to kind of discuss these topics that they had been wondering about um that are not commonly discussed with money so i know today i got a question about race and wealth um just in regards to what's going on recently about how like the financial services industry has historically discriminated against different races especially the black community and how that has prevented them from accumulating wealth um and just like these kinds of in the you know topics that kind of explore the intersections of like social justice just social issues um as well as like personal finance and money um so those have been the two main things that people have asked me about and that I personally am really excited to hopefully provide for people. Yeah, and I think those are essential topics especially like with the race and wealth one that's not something that is a common conversation in the mainstream at least mm-hmm. yet. So I think bringing up that conversation and understanding how things that may not seem to be connected are so deeply connected is really interesting and definitely something that i'm also looking to um learn more about mm-hmm. um so 
I just kind of wanted to talk about a couple of, you know, your posts that kind of uh, stood out to me personally and have made me think a lot. So the in one of your posts, you talk about this thing called the latte factor. And that really, I've been, I've, I've heard about that concept a lot because I'm addicted to coffee. So that's something <laughs> that, you know, I've personally have had to thought about a lot but can you explain like what that concept is and what your views on it are yeah sure my dad actually said that too he was like you just posted this because you buy a latte every day (laughs) (laughs) he was like you don't really care (laughs) um but yeah I I will admit I haven't read the book uh the latte factor you know where the concept actually comes from um but I I really like Sally Krawcheck my friends always joke that my account is like really a Sally Project fan account because every day I post about her. Um, but she actually ran a campaign called like Buy the Effing Latte. Um, and so I, I kind of posted about her point of view, which I agree with completely. Um, her point of view was that when you give this kind of advice to women, criticizing them for frivolous purchases and really focusing on the fact that like, they need to restrict their personal spending and that's how they're going to accumulate wealth. Um, It really kind of distracts from the fact that women face systemic inequalities that prevent them from accumulating wealth, like the wage gap, like the financial literacy gap, um, like the pink tax, you know, these bigger, larger issues that if, if you as, as like a financial advisor are only focusing on, you know, an everyday latte that you're not really informing women about, Um, And so I thought that was really, just really interesting. Uh, It kind of goes into how the personal finance industry serves in a lot of ways to shame women uh, rather than empower them. Um, That being said, again, I haven't read it. I think there Mm -hmm. is some validity to, you know, advice that talks about how we have habitual spending patterns that we don't really um, analyze and like critically examine and fix. Um, so I think it, it, it could be valid there, but when it fits into the larger conversation of personal finance, it does distract from these bigger issues women face. Yeah, and I haven't read the book either, but I agree. I think like, yes, maybe buying a coffee every day, it will add up. But when you compare mm-hmm. it to these larger issues, like the wage gap and things like that, what's the impact? And definitely the larger issues are going to have a bigger impact. So if we're taking away the focus from them completely and focusing on something that's, you know, like a $4 coffee, I think that there's an imbalance there. So yeah, Mm -hmm. but I've, yeah, yeah, that's something I also like struggled with thinking about because initially when I heard about this concept, it was more like, okay, yeah, don't buy coffees. Like, you know, you're just being very um, irresponsible if you do that. But then I was listening to this other podcast. It's not like finance based, but they had someone come in and they were like, why not get it? Like in the larger scheme of things, what's going to make a bigger difference and focusing on mm-hmm. that. So yeah. Um, so another one that really spoke to me was one of, I think it was one of your recent posts, but can correct me if I'm wrong. That was on the concept of work washing. So oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, can you just kind of talk about what does that mean and why is this concept important? Yeah, uh, I actually, it's funny that you brought that up because I've been 
trying to, you know, think about that more, especially right now when people are, you know, all of these big companies um, are posting their own black squares in like solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and you wonder like which ones are really performative and which ones are actually, you know, in support of the movement and actually doing something. Um, but yeah, woke washing is basically when you co-opt like a social justice movement, um, use it as a marketing tactic. And basically, you know, a company's done like a cost benefit analysis and they've decided that they can profit off of using this kind of language. Um, and often they don't really care about the movement. They just have realized through research that they can get more business by pretending to care about things. Um, and like, I think in the post I go into how you can really differentiate between companies who care and who don't by looking at what their, you know, their track record on that subject, what they've donated to, what their owners have donated to. Um, I know recently like L'Oreal did this where they posted about Black Lives Matter and then, um, you know, it wasn't that long ago in like 2017 when they fired a model for, you know, a black, uh, I think, yeah, black trans model for yeah. speaking out about it. Um, and so it's like, it's a little bit discouraging to see that companies have realized we care about social justice and though they don't care, they're still trying to profit off of it. Uh, yeah. Sad. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you 100% because especially like even June, June as being like the pride month, like historically I've seen a lot of companies be very like LGBTQ um, aware and focused, but during the rest mm -hmm. of the year, they don't, you know, yeah. even think about it. And the same thing with the Black Lives Matter movement. And it, it it doesn't feel very genuine with a lot of companies and how they react. And it's funny that you brought up L'Oreal because I was just an hour ago on Instagram. And there's a YouTuber who used to work at L'Oreal and then she left recently. Um, but she did a whole post about this, like the whole racism in the company and you know the firing of that model and like kind of wanting to hold them accountable so I think mm -hmm. as we are wanting more social justice um, we are also holding companies and institutions more accountable and not just forgetting about it so I don't know where it's gonna go because I still see a long way till <laughs> they actually yeah. get um, but I'm glad like the conversations are happening and people are just calling them out, you know, for the lack of a better term, but. Yeah, no, it's so, I, I agree. Like, I think it's so encouraging to see that as, I mean, I think it's like a generational thing more than anything. Like we as a generation have kind of realized that this is happening and we're holding like companies and institutions to higher standards and holding them accountable. Um, and it makes me really proud of our generation. There's a lot to fix, but that's one good yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, something else I was just wondering is like, what are some maybe women in finance or maybe even just like people in finance in general that you look up to or you just think are, you know, are doing things that are actually making people aware and making an impact? Yeah, I know I talked about Sally Krawcheck before, <laughs> but I am just such a big fan. I think like that is one person that I just really, really admire. Um, and I think it's because it's so atypical to see someone gather, you know, a lot of like build a lot of power in the financial services industry and then use it 
in such a productive way. She's one of the most like genuine allies I've seen um, to many minority groups. Like they did a whole campaign on like why black trans lives matter and how you know this country and their financial institutions have not served this community properly. So I think she's one of my big role models because I think she has used her privilege and her power to really genuinely support communities um, that you know, are traditionally not supported by this industry. Um, but I also really respect a lot of the people uh, in the personal finance for women community um, on social media. Uh, I think they are doing like amazing things to really open up these conversations and critically uh, understand what this industry is, how it exploits people and what they can do to fix it. Uh, and empower women. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't know, lots of people inspire me. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, that inspiration can be seen in your work because your work is also an intersection of social justice and finance, right? So I can definitely see how that translated and what you're doing. Um, um, so- yeah, there's this one other account I totally forgot to mention that inspires me a lot. I found her account like very soon after I opened mine. It's called She Spends on Instagram. Okay. Um, and I think their slogan is something like using capitalist means to achieve a fin- like a feminist end, <laughs> uh, which I really appreciate because I think yeah. that's what I really believe in. Like I believe that we have to use capitalist means to empower ourselves. Um, and, you know, it's problematic, but like that's what you have to do. We're not going to you know fix the system overnight Mm -hmm. yeah that's true it's not something you can change in the short term so Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's I'll check that account out too for sure so just to kind of um you know wrap things up you and I are both in the same boat just graduated (laughs) just starting going starting in the work world so I was just wondering like you know peer to peer um not not necessarily advice, but what would some of your financial wise words be to me <laughs> or maybe some resources, whether that's, you know, podcasts or other accounts, as you just mentioned, or, you know, just anything in general? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know how many wise words I have, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> uh, I think we're, especially our class right now as the class of 2020 in this you know, political situation, but also just a global pandemic. We are all so confused. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I think there are some really important resources. I think the biggest thing that has made a difference in my own journey with financial literacy is just um, having some kind of routine or putting resources into my routine. Um, For example, I think like one of the first things I did when I was trying to learn more about personal finance was just start listening to podcasts when I'm commuting or like, you know, five minutes in the morning when I'm brushing my teeth, I'll start the college investor podcast and just learn about a new topic that morning. Um, So just, I think, like we said earlier, it's very hard to like sit down, open up a book and try to start by reading and figuring out what these big words mean. I think it's much easier to say like five minutes a day, I'm going to listen. And then after a few months, it starts making sense. I also think there are, like I said, like Instagram accounts that break things down and make it a lot easier now. So I know one is uh, started by another Desi woman um, and it's called Her Finance Journey. And it just kind of breaks down financial basics of like, you know, what are assets? um, What are stocks versus bonds? What should you invest in? 
Um, and then I think finally, one other thing that just has made a huge difference for me is just talking to my friends about money, which is so uncomfortable when you start yeah. doing it. It's like not a natural thing to do <laughs> at first, um, but we're all so curious. We're all in the same boat and it affects all of us, right? Like whether yeah. you're in the industry or not, you have your own finances. So just opening up that conversation and talking to your friends about it, I think is like the most helpful thing you can do because yeah. we're all learning about it just at our own paces and we would do so much better to share our knowledge with each other. <laughs> yeah. And as you said, we're all in the same boat. So while it may be something that's uncomfortable to like initiate, I think I also found once I do initiate those conversations with my friends, like everyone's so invested in it and everyone just wants to like learn more from each other because everyone is also very confused so yeah um and this just made me think of a financial podcast that I listen to it's I think it's called the financial confessions and um the woman who runs it also has a youtube channel like I think that's called diet so those are different names but the way she talks and she interviews people who you know like both align with her views on finance but finances but also people who don't align with her views so you can get like a holistic perspective and it's also very geared towards like um women and like mm-hmm. her own personal journey because she had a terrible credit score right after college and everything going on and now she's someone who's literally you know um talking about finance so I think like once you seek out those resources there are a lot of them in different formats so whatever works for people because for some people books are nice so Mm -hmm. um these resources exist um so finally um I would just like you to tell the listeners where they can find you and see your amazing content Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, yeah, I'm on Instagram. It's at Boss Betis. Um, and please let me know if anyone has any advice on what they want me to talk about or how to improve. I'm always looking for suggestions. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I'm so happy that we got to talk. Yes, of course. And I'll have like your account in the description so people can get to it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for talking with me. It was really nice just talking to you specifically because we're in the same position right now so Mm -hmm. (laughs) with graduation and everything and as you said being in a global pandemic and everything else going around so it was nice to get that peer-to-peer talk in versus talking to someone who's been working in the industry for like 30 years and (laughs) would probably judge me for whatever I'm saying so yeah oh yeah no I can't I can't judge we're in the same (laughs) book I hope you enjoyed this episode about finance, money, and its intersectionality with different parts of her identities. If you want to get in touch with Ashka, you can reach out to her at Boss Babies. It is a beautiful community. She puts a lot of research in her content and her graphics, and it's basically learning about important things through a very creative and fun lens so would definitely recommend giving her a follow if you want to connect with our podcast once again please follow our instagram account at caffeinated brown girl we also have a movie books and tv shows review series going on there so that's something 
else you can take a look at um and if you have any feedback or suggestions for me once again feel free to dm until then take care and i will talk to you soon bye bye